My name is Ed Hires, and I am one of the pastors here at Shiloh. I'd like to encourage you, by the way, uh, we've been getting some text messages of people signing in uh, that normally are not signing in because someone shared the link with them. If you have a moment, share the link uh, with your friends or family and invite them to join in to our time this morning. Also remind them, we have a service at 1030. So for many of you, this is an unusual Sunday. You are sitting probably in your home or at a friend's home, and you're not sitting in the seats here that you would normally be sitting in. Well, I can assure you, this is a very unusual time for me, because I am preaching to hundreds of empty seats. So that is, uh, that is something I've never done before. However, looking on the bright side, I now have the privilege of being the first elder at Shiloh to preach to an empty congregation. So this is something to be taken. Yeah, okay, well, Greg just wanted to make sure you know that he stayed. He was going to leave, I might add, but I convinced him to stay and listen to this word. All right, so I'm excited that I am able to bring a word today because I believe with all that we're seeing, not only in our state, our country, our world, that never before has the importance of God's word been so in our face. It's the only thing that makes sense right now. It's the only thing that gives us truth and true understanding. So I want to begin today, but it's been a challenging week. I don't know about you. I'm in the financial services industry as well as I'm in this uh, particular world of the spiritual world as being a pastor. And I got to tell you, it was a challenging week if you're in, uh, in that world. And, you know, I happen to be looking at President Trump's speech while staring at that box you saw over in the lower right of watching what the market was doing. So uh, we were excited, at least a little, when that ended. Um, So I always think back to Nehemiah at these times. I've gone through some tough times in my life. You've gone through some tough times in yours. And I think about that scripture. It says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Right now, we we probably need some spiritual medicine. So with that in mind, I want to refer you back to Pastor Greg's message of last week, where he showed us that anything can take on spiritual significance. And what was that that he gave us that took on spiritual significance? It was the cheesesteak, okay? Now, personally, I believe that anytime you can add a cheesesteak to anything, you are doing a good thing, okay? So Greg's message was entitled, James 2 with cheesesteak. And the the slide he showed us was this slide of the two most major uh, cheesesteak purveyors in all of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And and so I want to share something with you. I want to give you the truth today, because that's what we do here at Shiloh. So I will give you the truth that these are probably the two most popular cheesesteak establishments in all of Philadelphia. In fact, I would say in all of Pennsylvania. However, they are also the two worst cheesesteaks you will ever eat in your life, okay? So don't take my word for it. I want to quote to you one of the many, many articles about this. And this one comes out of the HuffPost, and it, it quotes the uh, food editor for GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly. Now, I do not read GQ, and I know this is going to sound sexist, but I think men appreciate cheesesteaks more than most women. Okay, I'm not, not sure, and, uh, so, uh, but I think so. So I figured he would be a good one. His name is Alan Richmond. And he tried a number of cheesesteaks all over Philadelphia. And he came to this conclusion. 
that Geno's and Pat's was at the very bottom of his list. So let me give you the quote. The meat is long, flat, and tasteless. The roll was the worst of all, dry, spongy, and ghostly. All right? So you may say, Ed, please don't tell me you're going to continue this whole thing on cheesesteaks. Well, I am. And I am because Pastor Greg is our lead pastor here. And, you know, when he feels led to go down a path, I want to follow. I want to follow. So we're going to bring cheesesteaks back in. And the title of my message today is Going to the White House. Okay, now, many of you would think that this is the White House that I'm talking about. But it is not the White House I'm talking about. This is the White House you all know. However, there is another White House where quality subs are made each and every day, okay? So this White House is in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and it makes the most amazing cheesesteaks. I'm going to show you a picture of one of these amazing cheesesteaks, and and I can't even tell you what this tastes like. I can't even begin to to bring it to you. So in, in order to take it away from my opinion, I'm going to read to you from Wikipedia. And we all know, if you want truth, you go to Wikipedia. Okay, here's what it says. Quote, the White House sub shop was founded in 1946 on Arctic Avenue in Atlantic City by Anthony Tony Basile, along with his aunt, Basilia Basile, how's that for a name, and Uncle Alfred, known as Fritz, Fritz Sacco. Okay, Tony was a tailor by trade, but the tailing business went down the chutes during World War II, and they had to make some money. And his wife started to make subs. Back in those days, she made sandwiches, and she sold them out of the back door, and she got the bread from Formica's, not Formica's, Formica's Bakery across the street, which, by the way, 70 years later, is still making the rolls for the White House. And the rest, as they say, is history. They have been popular among local and tourists for 70 years. And I want you to know, celebrities that you have heard of, famous people have gone to that White House. Pictures are on the wall, but don't believe me. Let me read them to you. Elvis Presley, Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Rocky Marciano, Joe DiMaggio, Jerry Seinfeld, Oprah Winfrey, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, Donald Trump, several Miss Americas, and... In 1964, when the Beatles came to Atlantic City, New Jersey, to do a concert at the convention hall, which my father would not let me go to, which was really hard. I had to work that out in my adult life. Um, I wasn't able to go. The Beatles went there, their pictures on the wall, and they ate a 72-inch long sub from the White House. By the way, if you go online, you will notice that they will FedEx a sub to you which is worth the investment, although it's pretty expensive. In 2000, the White House was named an American classic, an honor not bestowed on many establishments. So you ask, what does that have to do with James 3? Well, I'm going to tell you. It matters because what you say at the White House is very important. First of all, when you go to the White House, unlike Philadelphia, do not order a hoagie. They don't call them hoagies. They call them subs. Never ask if they have pickles for your sub. They will actually walk you right out the door and have you leave, all right? 
Don't ask them why they don't shred their lettuce and dice their onions and tomatoes. They'll know you're not from New Jersey, and they'll treat you worse than the locals, which is almost hard to believe, by the way, because they don't treat the locals very well. And don't ever ask for anything special. Don't let those words come out of your mouth, because the menu is the menu at the White House. That's what you get. So we see that at the White House, it matters. Oh, what? You put that cheesesteak back up again. Why did you do that? Well, at least I can see the cheesesteak. Um, we'll see that in James chapter 3, there is a significant part of that book, the first part, that talks about the words that come out of our mouths, the things we should say, the things we shouldn't say. So let's shift to a more serious note, and let's look at James and start out with our first five verses. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can take a large horse and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing, that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Verse 2 of of those scriptures has a couple of really, really important statements. James says, we all make mistakes. And, you know, I'd say, do I hear an amen? But I, I can't hear that. But I'm assuming you're saying amen at your home. We all make many mistakes, James says. But then he says, if we can control our tongues, we could be perfect. It says we could control ourselves in every other way. That's an amazing couple of statements. In other words, if we can control our tongue, we can dramatically reduce our mistakes because no one can control their tongue 100%. We could, could, we could make many fewer mistakes and sin less and control our lives so much better. So let's use the examples he uses and give you an illustration. First of all, he says that a massive horse can be controlled by a small bit. This is a massive horse. This is a Clydesdale, and that Clydesdale weighs in at somewhere between 2,200 and 2,500 pounds. That is an adult standing there, by the way. It's a real adult. And can you imagine getting on that thing? Not me. Uh, However, here is the size of the bit that controls this big horse. Hmm. See, the point here is that weighs less than a pound. The horse weighs 2,200 plus pounds, and yet that one pound can control where that horse goes. And if you've ever seen a large sailing ship, they're huge, and there's this small rudder in the back. And this small rudder makes that ship go wherever it's supposed to go, no matter how strong the wind is. Without that control, without that bit, without that that rudder, those that horse and that ship would be very erratic. It would, it would go wherever it wants, and it, would cause, it could cause great harm, maybe even death for those involved. So Paul says that's the way it is with our tongue. Our tongue's very small, 
but it runs in so many ways the direction of our bodies. It controls in many ways the outcomes of our lives. And why is that? Because the vast majority of the time when we're interacting with other people, other people react back to us based on our words. This is how we influence others. And it's so important that that influence be a godly influence. Verse 5 says this, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. See, in this scripture it says the tongue is. It doesn't say the tongue can be. It says the tongue is. See, James says this raging forest fire, and we've seen these certainly in California and other places, it all begins somewhere with this tiny, tiny spark. See, sometimes a misspoken word, it changes the course of my life and your life. It can. It can change the course of our marriage. It can change the course of our families, our jobs, our friends. But see, like fire, when we control it, when we put it in the right place, when we confine it, it does many things for us. It provides warmth, right? It provides light. It provides this ability to cook. But if it's out of control, it's disastrous. So let's make this relevant to today, what you and I are experiencing. And I want to tell you, I don't, it's not that I don't care. I know there are so many different opinions on this. It goes from the extreme of this is nothing but a hoax to over here at this end of the stream where this is God's judgment in the last days, okay? But guess what? In the middle of that is all kinds of differing opinions. And in the world, people that don't have Christ as their Savior, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. We have a chance to change that. Whatever we do, we don't need to be fighting over how significant or insignificant this is. We need to realize that there's a world that is very fearful and very concerned right now. So here's what the Father says to us. This is what we can take to others. This is what the Father says. This is what our great physician says. And, and here's, these are the words of the God of all creation. Psalm 33, 18 to 22. But the Lord watches over those who fear him. Those who rely on what? His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us. Lord, for our hope is in your name. Isn't that a great scripture? It's a scripture that is so important right now. Let me give you just a couple more. One of my favorites. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. We can self-discipline our words. We can take power to those that feel so weak right now. John 14, 27, I'm leaving you, Jesus said, with a gift, peace of both mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. No matter what you hear on TV, no matter what great strides they make, peace doesn't come from the world. Peace comes from our knowledge and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't be troubled 
or afraid. This week, I I meet a lot of people in my life throughout the week, and I've heard a lot of people saying this, I just wish I knew what was really the truth about this coronavirus. I I don't know if I can trust what I hear, whether it be on the news or on the internet. I, I just, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know how upset to be. I don't know how isolated I should be. You see, I believe we all need to know the truth. I believe that Siri just went on, and I don't know why. I believe we all need to know the truth. But it's not going to come from the news. I'm sorry. It's not going to come from stories on the Internet. Partly it's true. There's truth there. But it's not going to come nearly as perfect as it is from God's Word. God's Word is 100% trustworthy, regardless of any of the circumstances going on around you or around me. So, saints... I believe the world should be looking to us right now. And I believe many are. See, they want truth. But to give them the truth, you have to know where to find it. And you have to believe in it. And then you have to share it. Psalm 39.1, I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. See, regardless of how you feel about what's going on, hold your tongue with words of doubt and fear and anxiety when the ungodly are around you. Bring them words of hope. Bring them words of encouragement. Bring them words of faith. Proverbs 15.4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And see, when we confess fear, when we confess, you know, any number of things, it can crush people's spirit. But gentle words, encouraging words, can lift them up. There's an old saying that says, the tongue is like a bucket that goes down into the well of our heart. Whatever is there, whatever is there is what comes up. So, Let you and I learn in these difficult days to separate our emotions, our personal feelings from what we speak. And let us speak the Word of God. We don't have to quote Scripture to people, but, but speak words that line up with the Scripture that you know. In the latter part of James 3, we go from the the idea of the the words and the tongue, to this whole idea of wisdom. And it ties together so well. And, And James says there are two kinds of wisdom. So let's look at these last six verses of James 3. 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. You see, it's not enough to just speak words. We have to do works. We don't have to do them in in actuality. That's a wrong way of saying it. We will naturally do them. As the words that come out of our mouth are godly words, spiritual words, our actions will automatically follow. So two traits. One, that whole idea of living an honorable life and, and doing good works, that is good behavior. Right now, Christians need to have good behavior. And that's defined as doing what God calls us to do and believe in his word. 
You see, the Greek word for works in that, in that verse 13 actually means turning back to something, to change direction. I don't know about you, but, but I find that it's easy to get caught up. You know, you watch enough TV and, and it's just like, oh my goodness. But you see, I have, to, I have to reorient myself. I have to change direction. And remember, I'm not subject to the news. I'm subject to the good news. And so are you, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You have that peace available to you as you come before God and quote to him his word, as you pray his word to him. See, a wise man or woman is willing to change in order to line up with God's word and then to bring forth our words. The second trait of of true wisdom or characteristics of true wisdom is this whole issue of meekness or gentleness called humility here in the scripture. The definition of that word in the Greek means not given to rash and foolish extremes. Oh boy, have I heard some rash and, and just foolish commentary this week. You see, that word means it's a person under control, not given to the emotion of the moment. See, this is a time that we need to know as Christians that God will strengthen us. He will give us wisdom to live this time out in humility. Verse 14 says, But if you harbor bitter and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. It's of the devil, the word says. So two characteristics of false wisdom. First of all, it manifests itself in bitter envying or jealousy. Theologian, the theologian James Hardy Ropes defined it as a fierce desire to promote one's own opinion to the exclusion of others. It's not what we want to be doing right now. We want to be listening. We want to be encouraging. We want to be loving. Another characteristic is it shows itself in strife and ambition. The focus in this poor wisdom is on us. It's on our good. It's what we need. It's what we want. It's what we believe. It's not a focus on the good of others, which is always Jesus' word to us. And it's especially not a focus on God's word and what he says. 16 says, verse 16 in James 3, For wherever there is jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. So if you know the, the different translations, you will know that has to be the Amplified, and it is. See, this is shown to be false wisdom in so many different scriptures throughout the Bible. Just one is Ephesians 4.3. This is what it says about what we're supposed to be able to do with the, with the characteristics of good and right wisdom. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Boy, does our world need some unity right now. They need unity around the truth. 
And this is the truth. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven, this is the wisdom that comes from God, is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. As we go through each of these, I want you to think about how they could then apply to where we find ourselves in March of 2020. It says, first of all, and I'm going to put primarily there, because that's what it infers, it's pure. I'm going to define that as free of self-interest. It's peaceable as compared to worldly wisdom that often will produce strife and contention. All you need to do is, is watch reporting today. And while it's put out as truth, it causes great strife, great worry, great fear, great contention. The wisdom that comes from above is gentle. It does not dis- insist on its own right. It's courteous. It's easy to be reasoned with. It's willing to listen. It will yield to good reason. And part of that yielding, by the way, comes as we read the Word of God and we say, oh, that's what you say. Your love never fails, Lord. Never gives up. You can move mountains. It's not obstinate. It's not unbending. And here's a big one. It's not easily offended. It's not easily offended. It's full of mercy and good results. Compassion. Good deeds. And it is without prejudice. I I think of Pastor Greg's message from last week with the person not dressed well and the person dressed well. And how we're just, we lean to prejudice. We're prejudiced right now to certain people that have certain opinions. God doesn't call us for that. And it is without hypocrisy. It's not phony. It's genuine. It's sincere. Verse 18 says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace for the benefit of those who cultivate peace. This wasn't an easy scripture for me when I first read it. And you can read this and just move on by it. But I think it's really important we stop here. You see, the blessing of our right standing with God, that's called righteousness. So our right standing with God, it grows out of this soil of peace. Okay? It grows out of this soil of peace. We're going to quote John 14, 27 again. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. I do not give like the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Our righteousness grows. It it comes in a moment, okay, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But our righteousness grows out of this soil of peace, James says. And who is it for? It's for our benefit, But it's also, if you read different translations, for the benefit of others. And as we look at Galatians 5, 22, 23, I want you to see the fruit that grows on this tree of righteousness that comes out of this soil of peace. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, there is nothing that can stop this fruit from being manifest in your life and my life. 
as we take that soil of peace and we spread that, out of that comes this tree of righteousness in our life with all these traits that allow us to take these very things to those around us. And I will tell you, this is a time when this country needs to be healed, not from finding a cure for coronavirus. I pray for that. I'm sure you're praying for that. But we need to be healed by coming together on the word of God, by knowing that God is stronger than anything and knowing that God's will will always be done. Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for what? Our good, for the purposes that he has for his kingdom. We can't lose sight of the last part of that. God's number one priority is his kingdom. And God will bless you and have things work out for you in line with what he has for you to do in his kingdom. And in order for us to do that, we have to watch the words of our mouth. We have to watch the works that we perform, especially at these times. Whether you realize it or not, there's a spotlight on us, and there should be, because we bring truth. You know, as I I asked the Lord, ending messages is more important to me than almost anything else, because it's great. I hope you felt this was the word. I hope this encouraged you and, and, and gives you hope in what God says in his word. But, but there has to be action. So I'm believing there's some of you out there listening right now. I don't know how you got on this. I don't know how you came to this. Maybe you're over at a friend's house. But here's what I want to tell you. All of this, all those scriptures of the peace and the harmony and the unity and all the things that God has for you, all of these traits of the Spirit are available to you when you surrender your life to this Lord, this Savior that can move mountains. I can tell you that I receive nothing more important to me outside of Jesus Christ than the peace I got after I made that decision. Boy, I was not at peace before that. For some of you, you're in the midst of serious issues. Maybe it's with your marriage. Maybe you've lost your job because of this. We have to be empathetic. Many people will financially be struggling There's some already, some soon. But if that's you, if you're dealing with a disease, if you're just involved in anything that's robbing you of this contentment and peace, I want you to know something. Today, you can change that. Today, you can be someone who can go to this word and you can claim every one of those promises. The Bible says in Christ, every promise has a yes. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to follow along with me, to repeat after me. And I believe that as you do this, as you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, as you confess that he died for your sins and then was rose again from the dead so that you could have not only peace on earth, but you could go to heaven and spend eternity with him. So just repeat after me. Father, I come to you this morning. Lord, I believe you came to earth. I believe you were very God and very man, Jesus. I believe that you made a choice to go to a cross for me. You died in my place. You were buried. 
but you rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your word says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can dwell in me. Father, I need, I need your love. I need your peace. Father, I believe today, as I make this choice for you, Jesus, that I will be saved. That all these promises are mine to claim. And Father, I confess all this. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Now, if that was you, if you said that prayer, listen, I want you to reach out to me. I want to send you a book that'll help you through these early days and weeks of walking out this choice you made today. And here's what you can do. It's really easy. Ed, E-D, ed at shilohcommunity.church. Ed at shilohcommunity.church. You email me. You tell me that that you made that choice today. Maybe you're rededicating your life. Maybe you at one point walked with the Lord, but you walked away. If you said that prayer, you send me an email. I'll send you the book. I'll come alongside you. I'll encourage you. Ed at shilohcommunity.church. Now, for those of you that know Christ and those of you that are struggling right now with what we're seeing in our country, unprecedented, I want to pray with you because I believe we have something to take to the world, to your coworkers, to your family that isn't saved, to your friends that aren't saved. And what you take to them is truth. Not the truth about the coronavirus. I don't know what the truth is. But I know the truth of God's word. I know that I can have peace during this time. I know that I can be a light in the darkness. So I want to pray with you today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for me, that, Father, I would be a light in the darkness, that I wouldn't bring more darkness. I would be a light in the darkness. I would be a candle set out, burning brightly. That, Father, I would have answers for those right now who don't have any answers. Father, that we know even as believers that we are subject to fear and anxiety. These are temptations that come upon us, especially at these times. But Lord, you are Lord of us. You are Lord over our fears. This is not your spirit. So Father, I pray that in these days and weeks ahead, regardless of what happens, that we would continue to trust in you, to believe in your goodness. Father, you are faithful. Above all else, you are faithful. Thank you today. Even today, Lord, supernaturally, I pray an anointing to fall on those that are are sitting, standing, or out there today, and they're hearing this prayer. I pray a peace to fall on my brothers and my sisters so that we can face these days and weeks ahead, whatever they bring, with hope and with confidence and with faith. I ask this all in your precious, precious, powerful, mountain-moving name, Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us here at Shiloh Community Church. Know this, if you are a member of Shiloh, we will be reaching out to you. You will hear from us. You can call in. You can come in. We are here just like we would be 
every other day, every other week. We encourage you to reach out if, if we can be of help to you. Thank you again. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.